so in the previous Godcast, well, I was thinking that coming close to Pesach, perhaps I should be calling it a Godocast. Um, we started speaking a little bit about Avodim Hayinu and what it means to be a slave and what it means to be a slave to time. In During the year in various Hashkofa classes, I spoke, especially during the Shovavim weeks, for those who remember, that the greatest slave is a slave to their own desires. Somebody who is truly free is somebody who, yes, is subject to certain laws and parameters, but that allows them to play the beautiful game of life. Um, continuing my unusual thread in that I haven't yet even addressed the psukim, and I'm normally obsessed with skipping straight to the psukim, I just wanted to have a look at the second paragraph, because I was looking at Avodamayinu, I was looking at this Masa Rebeliezer. You have five of the greatest sages Rebeliezer, Rebeshur, Rebelozov and Azara, Rebekiva, Rebetarfan, who were leaning, they were reclining in Bnei Barak. And they were fulfilling this mitzvah of telling, telling, telling the mitzvah of the, sorry, the sipper of Yitzhak Mitzrayim the whole night. Till suddenly their Talmudim run in and say, Rabbis, our rabbis, the, the time of Kriyashima, the morning is, has arisen. And a number of things occurred to me. There's, of course, the, the many, many things that are spoken about who these personalities were, why it was that each one of them actually had a claim to not really need to be doing a lot of these things as Koenim, Levim, or Geirim, um, or any you know co- combination of of of, of uh, various other factors, Rebbe and Talmud, all sorts of things that are said, but there are a number of things that really really resonate with me. Firstly, just to know what this is about, what, where are they? They're in Bnei Barak, and again, there are many interpretations. I think, forgive me if I'm wrong with this, but I think uh, the Chassam Sofa speaks about the fact that they were in a cave. Why were they in a cave? We'll come back to that in a moment. But just to understand how would you know that they're in a cave is because it takes the Talmidim to point out and run in and say, hey, it's morning time. So if they're in a normal house, obviously all you need to do is look out the window and you can see that it's getting light. But what were they doing in that cave? So amongst the interpretations that I, that I heard, and as I said, I think I heard Hassam Sofa speak about this, is the fact that this was the time of the rebellion against the Romans, and they were speaking battle tactics. Not necessarily battle, but certainly tactics. We know Chazal tell us every time that they would have to deal with the Romans, they learned through the Sedra Vayishlach to know whether to fight, whether to bribe, to give presents, uh, whether to split up, to be able to run, all sorts of possibilities of what uh, of of what they should do, and they were in this cave as a secret meeting as part of a rebellion. Well, according to that, what's that got to do with the Tzias Mitzrayim? Well, the thread that we started discussing the other day already kind of makes sense. If if in every generation we're meant to see things as if we ourselves went out of Mitzrayim. This makes a lot of sense because this would have been their gollus that they are trying to escape from. Just like Mitzrayim was its gollus, well, it was kind of the proto-gollus of all the gollus, and the Roman gollus, of course, is the fourth of all of them. 
the truth is that Golos, the one that they were in, is so relevant to us because although it's almost 2,000 years later, it's the same endless depth, the same Tahoim, the same dark Golos that we are in today is that Roman exile which they were planning to try and escape from. Being in a cave, the idea of being inside a cave is on the one hand being trapped. So on the other hand, well, not even the other hand, the same hand, I would say, being in the dark, they couldn't see. The darkness is described as the Golos. Being in Mitzrayim was the ultimate. There's darkness, there's a literal darkness, there's a thick darkness that the Mitzrayim themselves couldn't, couldn't escape from. And there's a certain middle, connected middle there, because we were stuck in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim itself is from the word Mitzorim, Mitzar, or Mitzariyam which means being in the straits, being being confined in such a permissive society, a melting pot of doing whatever you wanted to do, untrammeled by any laws other than pick your own gods. Well, actually, that was the opposite of what we spoke about yesterday. It just meant that they really were slaves to their own desires and they were really, really trapped by their own minds. If you remember earlier in the year, those who heard the Hashkofa classes that uh, we went through, I spoke about the story of Houdini. It's an apocryphal story, and for obvious reasons, it doesn't seem as though it really did happen, but maybe that's me being cynical. He had challenged anybody to come up with something, some kind of cage, trap, uh, anything that could hold him in for more than five minutes. And the story goes, nobody managed. Everybody was trying. He'd always managed to, you know, the way the escapologists worked, especially a nice Jewish boy like Houdini. He was able to dislocate his shoulder in the right, right way, twist the thing round, and the, with the pick that he was holding in his mouth beforehand, he was able to pick the lock, which was now in front of him because it twisted it around, and then managed to get out and then pick the lock on the front of the on the front of the um, the cage of the door, and he'd be out every single time. Nobody managed to hold him in for the reward that he was offering, a massive reward, until one prison guard said, I want you to have a go at mine. This guy obviously has a good track record because he set something up that Houdini, after one minute, two minutes, he managed to get out the straitjacket, gets the lock picks out of his mouth, and he starts playing with the lock, the front, the front, and he just can't, he can't unpick. He's listening for that little ping, which will indicate stage one and then stage two and then stage three, and he can't three, four, five minutes past the buzzer goes, and he admits defeat. He asks for a couple more minutes, and he still, nothing works. And he says, okay. How do, you, how, how do I get out of here? And the prison guard just walks up to the cage and he, he just pulls the handle down and just opens it. It was never locked in the first place. Houdini was trapped only by his own mind. Obviously, I say it's apocryphal because like, the first thing I would have done would be to test the handle to see, but maybe that's me being a bit facetious. You know... In Mitzrayim, the idea of people being trapped, slaves to their own desires, it's the same nowadays, where we're slaves to time, slaves to the things that sort of entrap us. When Hashem says it's time to go, it's just time to go. And the more that you delve into it, and the more you realize it's Hashem who's running the show, 
the more you realize that that's all it takes is emuno, is understanding that when Hashem says it's time, it's time. In fact, if you consider they're sitting there in the cave and suddenly, just through all the talking, suddenly the Talmudim run in and say, Rabbis, Rabbis, it's Shachra's time. The morning has come. The dawn has come. Ge'ullah is here. The Talmudim, the next generation, the people that you, you pass your hope on, they're the ones who say, yes, yes, your hopes have been fulfilled. And Geheref Ayin, in the blink of an eye, the Ge'ullah is here. In the darkness, suddenly you've seen the light, the white inside the black. There are 600,000 letters in the Torah. It's written. Yeshishim ribu oisus la Torah, the word Yisrael. 600,000, but there aren't really. There are only about 300 and something thousand. But actually, what it's about is seeing between the lines. Seeing between the lines. The white is also a letter. Famously, I think it was the, maybe the base Halevi from the, from the Brisker dynasty, when a woman came to him and asked if she could make the arabakosis over four cups of milk, he said, really, really, you should have wine. And he gave her 20 rubles. His wife said, 20 rubles? Five rubles would have got her the best wine. And you've given her 20 rubles? And he said, yeah. If she wanted to know if she could make four brochos over four cups of milk, she can't have meat either. And so he gave her enough for the rest as well. It's the gadolim who see between the lines. who see the white behind the black or the white over the black. That is Maisa Barabeliezer inside the deep, dark cave. After realizing who's running the show, the Gu'ullah arrives. <laughs>